today we begin, as I said, uh, we're, we're on this new series entitled Ashes. And, and, and Lent is this time of, of year that, that really there's, there's so much darkness and, and, and death and, and hurting throughout the world. I mean, you can't help but see it anytime you turn on a television or a computer, right? I mean, it's everywhere. Um, but Lent is a, is a great time for us to, to, to focus inwardly, to say, okay, there's all that stuff out there, but, but let me look at myself and, and let me cry out to God as the psalmist said, you know, search me, Lord, um, and, and find the parts of me that grieve you and, and help me to become more who you long for me to be. And so Lent is this time that we look at these things. And so what we're gonna do over the next six weeks is, is really look at some of these aspects in, in our world, some of this darkness that exists, some of these fears that exist, some of these, these things that we hold that maybe we shouldn't, but, but we're not going to see them outside of light of the gospel. Be, because we have the, the lens with which to look and that's the lens of, of Jesus Christ. And, and so we're gonna see all of these things in, in light of what Jesus did for us. And, and today we begin with um, something that, you know, God works in, in, in different ways. And, and a lot of times as I come into Sundays, um, God will be doing something that leads me into, into my sermon. And, and this week was no exception, unfortunately. This week we lost two, two people in our church community. Um, one was an older, uh, older gentleman who um, had lived a really, really long life and, um, and actually an amazing life. And, and, and really his, his work shaped our world. Um, he, he was a guy who, he was the doctor who gave the, the go, no-go for NASA, for all of the trips to the moon, for Neil Armstrong, for John Glenn, for all of those guys. He was the guy who decided whether or not they got to go. Um, and he was a member of our church for so, so many years. He was a giant. Um, I mean, he was such a big guy, even at his age. He was like six foot six or something. And I remember my first, or about my third Sunday here, I said, hey, Mr. Wolf, how you doing? He goes, it's Dr. Wolf. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry about that. I was like, can I get some props for remember your, your last name is Wolf? I mean, dude, I've been here three Sundays, right? But he was, I, I got to know him over the, over the years and he was such a wonderful man who did so many amazing things. And, and really he was, he was ready. He wanted, his bride died a couple of years ago and he wanted to go see his Sybil and he wanted to go home. He was done. And, and then um, this weekend we, we lost a, another one and I'd spent some time with her last week and, but she was only 34. And so it was a totally different scenario. It, it was this, you know, you have this guy who lived an amazing life, who did these amazing things in his career with his family and, and all this stuff. And then you have this young girl and yeah, she was young, who didn't. And she had been diagnosed with a lung disease at age 23 and told she wouldn't make it to, to age 40. And, and so I sat with her on Wednesday and she had a lot of deep questions around death. And, and, and she, she knew who Jesus was, but she was scared. She was scared to die. And I have to tell you, that's common. Like being scared of death is a common thing, especially when you're younger. You know, and, and there are these questions. And, and, and so death is this, here's the deal though. Death happens to everybody. C.S. Lewis said this in his BBC talks during World War II. He's like, look, the death rate is 100%. War doesn't change that. All it does is, is it speeds it up a little bit. But everybody dies. How do you deal with it is the question. What do you do when you are confronted with the word death? 
And, and honestly, there's been two kind, of, two kind of strands that have flown out. And, and there's the secular strand and there's the church, the sacred answer to this. And, and, and really the secular world, what, what the secular world tries to do, do is they try to hide it. We, we, try to, we try to do things to prevent it. We try to, we, we get Botox or we get plastic surgery or we dye our hair to try to like say, no, 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 I'm not close to death. I, you're, no, 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 not at all. I'm much younger than you think. I have this wonderful story that um, quite a few years ago, really, and it makes me even sadder to think that it was many years ago. Um, this little old, old lady stopped me one day. She goes, Michael, do you dye your hair? And I said, well, well no, ma'am, I don't. She goes, huh which prompted me to ask the question I shouldn't have asked. How come? Well, your beard is so gray. Well, yes, ma'am, it is. And it wasn't that gray. Like, it's a whole lot more gray now than it was back then. But I was like, yes, ma'am, it is. And I started walking off. And she goes, you know, have you ever thought of dyeing your beard? I said, like, wow, that kind of hurts a little bit. You're still old. And I just walked away, Right. I didn't say that to her. I said, no, ma'am, maybe I should look into that, you know, walk away. But we do these things to kind of hide it. And then when, when we get to a point, like a nursing home, we don't want to talk about nursing homes. Some of us are in points where we're having parents now who are having to have the conversation about where are they going to go. And we don't, like my father-in-law does not want to go to a nursing home. He wants us to tie him up to a tree in the, at the river where they have a house. Just tie me up to a tree, I'll be fine. Because he's worried about what's going to happen when he goes in there. And, and so the secular response is all over the map to try and hide it or to try and prevent it. If you Google, how do I live forever, which I did this morning, you'll get 1.3 billion responses back like that. And there are all these different articles on how to prevent dying and how to live forever. If you can reach age 105, there's one article that says, you can coast on forever. I don't know what their science is behind that, but I didn't quite read it. Or if you can reach the year 2050, because apparently something big is going to happen in 2050. But there's all these things that we try to do to placate this and, and to cover it and to hide it and to prevent it. But the church, the church, we haven't really handled it much better because the church is, has welcomed it as a friend. We, 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 we've taken this attitude a lot of times of, oh, death, you'll be so much better when you die because you'll get to be with Jesus, right? And we're, oh, death, come on in, death. We're so happy you're here. And, and we have this mentality. In fact, we sing sign, songs about it. I'll fly away. Remember that old spiritual? When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. I can't wait for the time where I get to leave this earth and be gone. But that's wrong too. And that's not what God set out to do. In fact, God, at the very beginning of his story, says that death is the greatest enemy that we have. At the very beginning, when he creates this wonderful garden of Eden, he sets humanity right in the middle of it. And he goes, Listen, man, I have this amazing plan for you. Gosh, I've created this amazing thing for you. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know you want to eat from this. And I know you want to have this knowledge that you shouldn't have. And I know you're going to, don't choose to eat from this tree because when you do you're going to turn away from my path and you're going to choose your own path and when you turn away from me all you're going to find is death and so he sets up this thing he's like just don't turn away from me don't turn away. and what do we do we choose to turn away from him we choose our own path and, and and we turn our backs on God and when we turned our back on God God's like look this is what's going to happen 
the greatest of enemies is going to come in and death is going to reign. And so when we chose our own way over the way of God, what we did is we let death out. We let death exist in our lives. And, and then we had to deal with it. And Paul calls it the, the greatest enemy, the last enemy to be defeated. He says there will be the, the last enemy that is defeated is death. And so time and time again, scripture comes back to it. But then Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, his first one, he comes to this weird mystery thing where he talks about it and he brings it, he's, he's talking about it all throughout chapter 15, but at the end of it, he brings it home. And he, and he says this, he starts at verse 50. He says, so dear brothers and sisters, what I'm saying is, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you the wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed, for our dying bodies must put on for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what you have in this mystery that Paul lays out, and he's like, man, I don't know how. Let me tell you that death is coming. But we who believe in Jesus Christ are not held to that. We don't live as those who go to die. Because he already did. He already took the cross. And so when I sat and had this conversation with this young girl last week and we're talking about what happens when you die and I'm like, I don't really know. And anybody who tells you that they know exactly 100% what happens doesn't really know either. Now I can point to some things that, that God tells us and God points to and, and, and John tells us this, paints this beautiful picture about streets paved with gold and and then the gospel, according to Pat Green, talks about taco meat. And, and there's all these different ideas that we have that are out there. But what I do know is that God promises a place that is free from decay, is free from disease, is free from oppression, is free from addiction, is free from heartache and depression, is free from all of those things. But right now, as it stands, our bodies can't handle that. Because we have these bodies that, that are mortal, that are perishable. It, it's like this. Have you ever been invited to a party and you show up at the party and you're severely underdressed? Like, I, I don't know if you've ever, like, so, so say you go, you go to a party and you show up and you're like, it's during, I don't know, during fiesta time. And you show up because it's fiesta time. You're wearing shorts and a guayabera and it's black tie. 
right? You walk in, all of a sudden you, you and your wife pop in and she's wearing a sundress and y'all think you look just bam, fiesta out and you walk in and everyone stops and stares at you because you know you're so out of place and you just, what do you do? You know, there's only a few people in this world that could handle it and just own it and walk in, right? Most every other one of us is gonna go, boop, boom, out. See, this is kind of the picture. This is kind of what N.T. Wright says. He's like, we're made of the wrong stuff to inherit the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God came when Jesus left the tomb. The kingdom of God happened and it starts entering into to earth when Jesus dies on the cross. And the first thing we see the movement of the kingdom of God is when Jesus raises from the dead. And from that moment on, God is invading earth constantly. And what, and what we're saying here, what Paul is saying is, man, we've been invited to this party, but we're just not dressed right. But it's okay because he's gonna transform us. Because as we understand who Jesus Christ is and who we are in his lives, as we accept this gift of everything that he gives us, our mortal bodies put on immortality and our perishable bodies put on imperishability. See, the, the way that this happened was that the immortal had to become mortal. In First in, in Timothy, Paul says that the only one who is immortal is God. And so in order for us to, to kind of come into that realm of immortality, the, the immortal had to become mortal. As John says, as he opens up his gospel, the word became flesh. The immortal became mortal. The imperishable became perishable. The incorruptible became corruptible. So that we might become immortal so that we might become imperishable, so that we might become alive. See, what the, what the cross did is it began this movement of the kingdom of God, that as we accept this gift, as we accept this invitation, God says, man, there will be a day when your body here on earth decays, but there is a new body but you will rise again in this immortal life. You will rise again in this kingdom of heaven. And, and so we are not to welcome death. Death is the greatest enemy, but it has been defeated. But see, if we just sat here, and if Paul just ends his letter to the Corinthians right here, he could have said, man, this is amazing news. Like you did nothing to deserve this. Jesus died so that you could have a life. Praise God, see you next Sunday. But that's not what he says. In, in fact, he finishes this thought by saying this. So, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. See, what Paul does right here is, is he sets us up and says, for those of you who understand this mystery, for those of you who understand that Christ gave his life for you, you have a responsibility. And that responsibility is not to wait for death. It's not to wait for Jesus to come back. It is to right now live in the moment of the kingdom of heaven. It is to right now be who God wants you to be in the kingdom 
of God. We who understand who Jesus Christ is have a responsibility to live for him right now. N.T. Wright, and I printed this out today because I wanted to say it um, right, says this, and I love this paragraph about it. When he's talking about this in his commentary, he says, on the contrary, it is a matter of the greatest encouragement to Christian workers, most of whom are away from the public eye, unsung heroes and heroines getting on faithfully and quietly with their God-given tasks, that what they do in the Lord during the present time will last. It will matter. It will stand for all time. How God will take our prayer, our art, our love, our writing, our political action, our music, our honesty, our daily work, our pastoral care, our teaching, our whole selves, how God will take this and weave it varied strands into the glorious tapestry of his new creation, we can at present have no idea. That he will do so is part of the truth of the resurrection and perhaps one of the most comforting parts. See, what N.T. Wright is pointing out here is, is that the beauty of the kingdom of God is that it's not something that's far off, it's something that's here and now. And that what we do for Christ here and now matters, not just here and now, but for all time. We have all been called and given an opportunity to live resurrected lives. We have all been called and given the challenge to rise up from the grave. We have been given life. We have been given immortal bodies that one day we will clothe ourselves in. And I said this at the 11 o'clock service. I said, look, if you're you a believer in Jesus Christ, you have no excuse. If, if you understand yourself as a son or daughter of God, you can't ignore this. You have to hear these words and this charge from Paul. You can't sit idly by and just go, thank you for the here and after, Jesus. I'll wait for it to come. You have to get engaged with the kingdom of heaven now. For those of you, and I know this is a different crowd, the, the 530 crowd is a little different crowd, but, but maybe you're here tonight and, and maybe you've come to church for your entire life and you just have never really connected with who Jesus is for you. Maybe you've been coming and, and maybe like somebody's been dragging you to church forever and maybe you're a kid and you haven't, it hasn't really connected with you yet. If you don't know what it means for someone to die for you, let tonight be the night that you hear it. If you don't know what it means that the kingdom of God is not some far away thing in a distant land far, far away, but it is something right here, right now. If the movement of the spirit is real and tangible and you can grab hold of this life that God wants you to have, that there is more to this life than the darkness that exists in the world. You know, darkness isn't really a thing, it's the absence of a thing, right? When you walk into the room and it's totally dark and you flip on the light, does the darkness fight? No, it just goes away. And when you understand who Jesus is in your life, whatever darkness is surrounding you, that light flips on and that darkness is gone. And so wherever you are in your journey, wherever, wherever you are, and, and, and some of you may have been going to church and you've been in with Jesus and you kind of fall back, Wesley would call it backsliding. 
And, and maybe you've questioned things over the years because of different circumstances that have happened to you. And, and maybe if we sat down one day and we had coffee and you shared with me all of your story, I may be pretty angry with God with you. But whatever it is, here tonight, here tonight, that Jesus loves you more, more than anything in this world. That, that he, he gave up everything to put on mortality, to become just like you and me so that he could give it all back. So he could give his life and give it to you and me. If you've, never, if you've never accepted that, if you've never known what it really means to have that personal relationship with Jesus, to have him light you up from the inside where all darkness is dispelled. March 1st, 2020. Sure seems like a good night to do it. It sure seems like a good night to say, you know what, Jesus, I surrender. I'm tired of running my life my way and I just give it all to you. And so what I wanna to do tonight is I just wanna pray. So everybody just bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you've never accepted Jesus, I just want you to in your hearts, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I, I thank you and I love you and I give you my life. I've tried to run my life my way and man, it just hadn't worked. And I hurt and I have questions and I know maybe all the answers won't come at one time, but. I want to try and I want a relationship with you. I'm tired of death and darkness. I want to experience life. So I give my life to you today, Jesus. I surrender all to you. I love you and I thank you. Amen. We have these connection cards in the backs of our pews and and we'd love to, to, to hear from you for any reason. There's prayer concerns on there, write your prayer concerns on there. The, the usher, usher is coming forward. <laughs> and, and look, if you, if you have a prayer concern, write that on there and drop it in the offertory plate for us. If you need to speak to one of the pastors, there's a little box for that and we will get in contact with you. If you made a decision to accept Jesus for the first time tonight, or maybe to recommit yourself, we wanna know those things. And we wanna walk with you because there's some next steps that we think you should take. We're not gonna harass you, I promise. We're not gonna be in your face about it and show up at your door later tonight, me and Maggie singing a song. We, 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 we just wanna know, unless you want us to, and then you know we'll be there. We take requests, but we, we, want, you to, we want you to know that there's different steps to take to, to move forward from this place. And we wanna walk with you on that journey because I gotta tell you, it is the best journey that you will ever be on. It is the, the most exciting. I don't care what trip you've been on. I don't care what hike, whatever, wherever you've been. This is the journey that ties it all together and gives your life meaning. So as we pass the plate tonight, if you have those things, just drop it in there. God, we pray that you would receive this offering and we thank you for the generosity of your family at St. Andrews and pray that as you receive this, you would magnify it and use it to bring you glory so that others may know that they are loved by you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and join in worship one more time?